Father in heaven, we just want to say thank you for today, for the opportunity to be in your house and to worship you, and Lord, for just what this day means. God, just to think about 2,022 years ago, your disciples gathering around in a room for for over a month and just praying, consistently asking for the same thing. And God, eventually you showed up and you gave them the one thing they needed to spring your church into existence and to give them the power and the authority to lead the world into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, there's so much power in unity and camaraderie. There's so much power when God's people are gathered together and can agree on something and ask it in the name of Jesus that anything will be given. Father, I pray this morning that we would stop asking and desiring so much physical things, and Lord, that we would begin to focus on the spiritual. Jesus, I pray that for every person, no matter how young or old in this room, Lord, that you would prick our hearts and help us to see that the things of this world, they're just so temporary, and they're not going to last. And God, I pray that you would help us to be more focused on the spiritual so that we can serve you and honor you and devote our lives to you. Lord, it's what you've called us to do. Father, for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be with us today, God, we lift them up to you. We just pray for people like Henry and Donald. and We pray for Roger. So many people who are just hurting and just seem to have these things that are going on. Miss. Miss Magdalene Long, Lord, we, we just pray for these people who just have these things that are just keep hindering them from enjoying life and, and just coming to church and being present and things that they would like to be at. God, touch them today. And Lord, in this moment, we pray for your presence to be among us. God, that you would send your Holy Spirit down. God, that you would speak and communicate in ways that we never thought possible. God, that you would take a subject that we've, we've heard talked about Lord, we know about it, but God, I pray that you would help it to speak to us in a way we've never experienced before. Only you have the power to do that, to take information that's old, and we've heard it a hundred times, and to use it in a brand new way. And God, we know that you can do that today, and that's what we ask for. We love you, we thank you for this time together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're starting a new series this week, and it's going to last pretty much all summer long. Uh, I really like it. I, I like the you like the picture on the screen. It's kind of creepy, right? A little creepy. I thought it was really good. It's very fitting. So our our sermon series is talking about unspoken sins of the church. You know, as as Christians, especially in the society that we live in, it's very easy for us to get hyper-focused on certain things and sins that are going on, especially in our culture today, right? I mean, when you go out in public, you are bombarded with sin. 
with, with different types of, of culture and these different groups that are pushing their agendas and, and everything that's going on. There's so much sin out there, and it's very easy for us as Christians to get hyper-focused on certain things, and then we forget about others, right? Because sometimes some things seem more like pressing than others do. And so today's topic of sermon is quietly coveting. Covening is something that's been around from the very beginning. From the very beginning of creation, coveting has been there. It's one of the Ten Commandments. I mean, you, you think about this. It's one of those things that, that God put it in the Big Ten. Of all the laws that God wanted us to know, coveting was put in the top ten. You with me? All right, it's big. And when's the last time we've talked about it? When's the last time you heard a sermon about it? When's the last time you read devotional about it? Coveting is one of those sins that has creeped and weaseled its way into our culture, into our church, and it's just become this part of everyday normal life, of how we live as Americans. And it's really hard to decipher it because, you know, you think about it, for the past several decades, the church has been worried about a lot of other stuff going on, right? I mean, we've been worried about a lot of other issues that's going on in society. And so we, coveting has just kind of been put on the back burner. But I, guys, I'm going to tell you, when you look at sin, some sins don't seem as bad as others to us, right? Because there's some sins that don't bring about the consequences immediately. You with me today? If you're older, you understand this. There are some sins that you can commit and the consequences are immediate. And we like to focus on those things and take care of those things in the beginning. And then there are sins like coveting that we don't really focus on them immediately. We, we, don't, we can't see the, con the negative consequences from those things immediately. But those subtle sins are the ones that creep into our lives and it becomes ingrained in who we are as people, who we are as a society, who we are as a church. And then when it gets to that point, it's really hard to navigate and free yourself from the muck and mire that's been surrounding you in it and really trace the consequences back to its original origin. But sin is, coveting has been around since the beginning. There's a reason why God put it in the Ten Commandments. And it's something that we have to be very careful today that we don't neglect it in our lives, that we don't neglect this desire that we have in our lives for things, physical things, emotional things, what we see other people have, there's a desire in our life that we want what we see. And it's such an ugly little sin, but the subtle little sins that we allow to hang around are the ones that entangle us the most. And so we're talking about coveting today. And when you start looking for Scripture for a lot of things that we're talking about over the next several weeks... There's just thousands of scripture, thousands of passages you can pull from from the New Testament. Just tons and tons and tons of scripture that deal with coveting, jealousy, envy. Like there's just, I have a whole page of different passages of scripture that you could use. But I found this really cool passage from Job chapter 5 verses 2 through 7. And it's kind of odd that you find this like passage about coveting and jealousy and stuff from Job. But here's what it says. Surely resentment destroys the fool, and jealousy kills the simple. Now, those are pretty strong terms, because when you talk about jealousy and envy and coveting what other people have, it doesn't seem that bad. They seem, I mean, it's obviously like we think about it, 
And, and it seems childish, and it is childish in a lot of ways, but it's something we all struggle with and deal with. But it destroys the fool and kills the simple. And, and look at what he continues to say. I have seen that fools may be successful for the moment, but then comes sudden disaster. Their children are abandoned, far from help. They are crushed in court with no one to defend them. They, the hungry devour their harvest, even when it's guarded by brambles. The thirsty pant after their wealth, but evil does not spring from the soul. Pay attention to this. Evil does not spring from the soul, and trouble does not spout from the ground. People are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly up from a fire. You and I have to understand, in the grand scheme of things... That we are born sinful creatures. We were born for trouble. <coughs> you with me today? Like we're born for that. There is a natural tendency in our lives to lean towards sin and to lean away from God. It is ingrained in you as a human being. While we were created for God, sin has caused us to naturally lean away from God and lean into sin. And so when we're talking about this, this quiet sin, the sin of coveting that the church really had, we don't talk about it anymore. It's not something we necessarily address anymore. It's really important for us to realize that we're probably doing this and we don't even realize it. It's probably present in our lives in a lot more ways than what we would ever like to admit. But we have to Rely on God and allow him to reveal these things to us. And just be in the understanding this morning that we're born for trouble. Like sparks that fly from a fire, it's going to happen. All right, Those sparks just fly up from a fire. You can see them and watch them. Trouble sprouts up within us. Sin sprouts up within us. There's a desire in our life to engage after it because sin's tempting, right? You ever been tempted by something you didn't want? There's something about sin that makes us want it. There's something about the world that makes us want it. And we're, we're in, that's ingrained in who we are as people. So point number one, just kind of tracing this thing back. Point number one, envy and jealousy have been around since the beginning. You can't deny it. When you look back at the very origin of sin and you look at the heart of people, everything that we do is inspired by trying to get something that we don't have. You're trying to get something that you want, something that you don't have. And it, you, you know, like, what you don't have is always better than what you do have, right? You ever watch kids? It's funny, right now we have a bunch of little kids running around our houses, and we joke all the time because you can fix them all drinks. And you can put the same exact thing in each of their drinks, but all the other kids' drinks taste better than their own. They'll go steal everybody else's drinks and won't drink their own. Like, our kids refuse to drink water, but it's amazing how when Hannah and I have our cups of water, they always come up and they will not drink what's in their cup. They will come up and drink our water, will not drink water out of their own cup. It's the craziest thing ever. But even as kids, it's ingrained that they always want what someone else has. You with me today? And if we're not careful, it doesn't change a whole lot the older we get. We always want what other people has. It's been around since the very beginning. Genesis 3, verses 4 through 6. Even the sin of Eve taking the fruit from the tree. You look at what Satan said in verse 4. He says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. And look at what he uses to push her over the edge with. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. It wasn't a matter of being hungry. 
It wasn't a matter of the fruit looking any better than any of the other fruit. What really pushed her over the edge and drove her desire was the fact that God was something that she was not. God had this knowledge that she did not have. God knew that if you eat this, then you will be like him, knowing both good and evil, and he doesn't want you to have that. And we all know that as soon as somebody says you can't have that, what do you try to get the most? What they say that you can't have, right? Because that's the child in all of us. Even as adults, that's what we do. So the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Notice she noticed those things after what Satan had said. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She wanted it. She wanted something that was not hers to have. You with me today? There's a lot of things in our life, in our world, that we have access to that we could have at any given moment in time. It doesn't necessarily mean that God has intended for you to have it. It's not part of God's plan for your life. You with me today? That's hard to swallow, but there's truth in that. It's not for everybody. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she gave some to her husband. Another thing to notice in this moment, it's not that the woman's like, no, this is my fruit and my tree. You can't have any. This was something that she took it because she, she wanted what she wanted, but she was also very willing to share it with her husband, Right? It wasn't a matter of just having something just to have it for yourself. And so we have to be really careful because when you covet things and you want something that you're not supposed to have or want something that someone else has, it's not necessarily that you always don't want them to have it. You just want it and you're willing to share it with everybody else too. So you could be fooled by thinking, I'm willing to share this. It's not that I just want this for myself and I'm going to be selfish with it. I want this so I can share and bless other people with it. And we have to come to the harsh realization in this that God has a plan for our lives. God blesses each and every single one of us in different and unique ways. The issue of coveting and envy and jealousy is whenever you begin to look at other people's lives and things that they have, relationships they have, blessings that they have, and you are no longer focused on what God is giving and blessing you and calling you to do, but you're wanting what someone else has instead. You're saying, God, what you are giving me, what you're blessing me with is not good enough. I want what they have. Because Eve was tempted... And fooled by Satan because she said, well, I, I want that. I want what you're talking about. And it wasn't a matter of her just getting it and hoarding it to herself. She was very willing to give it to her husband too. And so it's not just a matter of being selfish with it. It's a matter of just getting access to things that may not necessarily be part of God's plan for our life. And so coveting can happen in so many different ways. It doesn't even have to be stuff or money. There can be so many things that we covet that we're jealous and envious over. You skip over to chapter 4. So, so Adam and Eve, first sin. Then chapter 4, you have Cain and Abel. And look at verses 3 through 5. It says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Very different description of the gifts that the two brothers brought. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And instead of Cain going back and saying, okay, I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to go back and I'm going to work on my gifts, what God has given me to give to him and to honor him and to glorify him. 
This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected and Cain takes his brother out in the field and he slays him because he's envious and jealous of his brother because God accepted his brother, but he didn't accept him. You with me this morning? There, there's a desire in our lives to have what other people have. And in Cain's case, it wasn't the matter of, well, I want his lambs or his sheep because God accepted those and maybe he'll accept my lambs. It wasn't that. He wanted to be accepted. He just wanted God's approval. And instead of doing what God wanted him to do to get approval, he went out and killed the only person who got approval. You with me today? So there's an extreme in this. Cain was willing to take his brother's life and get rid of him over his jealousy and envy. Eve was willing to share. So you have the subtleness of the sin of coveting, and then you have the extreme version of the sin of coveting and wanting what others has. And for Cain and Abel, it was the whole thing about being accepted by God, and he was going to get rid of Abel so that he could be accepted by God. But that's not how you do it. It's been around since the beginning. When you look at what we know about Satan rebelling against God, the whole concept of Satan rebelling against God was that he wanted to be God. He wanted what God had. He wanted all the praise and honor and glory to come to himself. And because he wanted what God had, he was willing to rebel against God in order to get it. The whole root of sin goes back to covening and wanting what someone else has. So it's been around since the beginning, right? Point number two. Envy and jealousy are within us all. It is within you. Whether you want to admit it or not, it is there. It is very much present among you in your life. And if you have any arguments about that whatsoever, you just remember of all the laws that God put in the Bible, the main ten that he calls, called us to focus on, one of them was you shall not covet. Exodus chapter 20 verse 17 one of the Ten Commandments, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. That's huge. I mean, when you think about God and putting the order of, of, of things of, these are the things I want you to focus on. These are the things I want you to make sure that you don't do. Coveting is in the top ten. And in our life, we have to be really careful because it's really hard to navigate in our consumer-driven world. You with me today? You, you Listen to this. This is important. It's really hard to navigate because we are blessed. I mean, like not all of us in here are extremely wealthy, but we have money, and we can go buy stuff. And if you really want stuff, you can go to the bank and take out a loan and go get it. And so you buy a house, you buy a car, you buy clothes, you buy you know, whatever. You, you can get whatever. And it's really hard to navigate through things that you need. And it's really hard to navigate through things that you want. And it's really hard to navigate through things that you think that you need but you don't. And you want but you really don't want. How many of you have ever bought something and been like, I don't know why I bought that. I don't even want it. All right? We've all done it. It's one of those things that it's, stuff is so easily accessible and it's not so negative to have things. It's just a matter in which we go about them in our heart and our attitude with them. 
And this is why God calls us to focus on it, to, to make it a priority in our life, that we're addressing this issue and we're not falling prey to this subtle sin. Because this is the type of sin that will wrap you up in your life and control you. And it won't just control that aspect of your life, but it will control many aspects of your life. We'll talk about more of that later. You know, when you're young, it it's, comes on kind of simple. As a kid, jealousy, envy, coveting, wanting what other people have. When you're young, you know, you kind of want popularity. You just want people to like you, right? I mean, that's a big deal. Maybe you're jealous or envious over people who are more popular than you. Kids that have nicer clothing than you. Grades, teams, not making a sports team, wishing you could have. Winning a competition, kids having different toys, different recognition. You know, it starts out like small and it's pretty simple. You know, basically you can just like survive through school with that. When you grow up, it gets a lot more complicated, right? And you think like the jealousy and envy and the pettiness of it all would end, but it doesn't. Because it gets a lot more complicated. Because when you grow up, people are envious over jobs, cars, houses, money, clothes, fame, beauty, friends, spouse, children, jewelry, land, positions, abilities, talents. You get in the picture? There's just all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. And you know, it's really funny because social media today makes it so much harder. Like you, you look on social media and you see all these people who are posting all these pictures of how great their life is, how great their relationships are, how much stuff they have. And so you're sitting there and, and you look and like, I wish my husband would do that with me. I wish my wife would be that way for me. I wish, you know, my kids would act like they have sense and my kids are terrible. You know, it's like you start looking at all this stuff and you're wishing. And what's funny is, is like now we're coveting stuff that doesn't even exist. Because a lot of times they're sitting there smiling for the camera and then once the camera shuts off, their life is worse than yours. And we're coveting things that doesn't, like we're coveting imaginary lives that don't even exist. And so it doesn't just have to be stuff. I mean, it could just be the idea of things, which makes it so much more difficult. And then when you get older, you begin to realize a lot of things that you thought were really important as kids and even as young adults and you know, middle-aged adults, that stuff doesn't even matter anymore. You're not even worried about stuff like that anymore. You know, when you get older, maybe you're jealous over people who still have their spouse. Maybe your spouse is gone. Maybe you've been divorced or your spouse passed away and you look at other people who still have theirs and you're just like, why can't I have mine? Where's mine at? It could be being able to retire. You know, some of, for some of us, life didn't pan out the way that we wanted it to. Our career didn't go that great, and we can't retire. And we see other people who's retired, and we're just like, man, I wish I could retire. I wish I could go travel the country or the world and enjoy some time with my wife and, or my, my husband and do that. And, and, but I got to work. I got to work every day. I guess I'll work till the day I die. You know, it could be health. The older you get, the more precious health is. And I, I, just, I think about people all the time. It's like, I just, I just wish I was healthier. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And we have to be really careful. Because as we accept the blessings that God gives us, we also have to be willing to accept the test that God brings into our lives too. 
And for each of us, just like he blesses us all very differently from one another, he also tests us very differently from one another. And it's really easy for us to look at other people and say, and be jealous and envious. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. And the whole time you're focused on them or what they have or what you want, your life is just passing you by and you're missing out on all the blessings that you do have. You're missing out on all the people and all the time and all the things that you do have, focusing on what you don't have. This is a huge temptation that Satan uses to sidetrack us from accomplishing the will of God in our life. And it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal because we've been bred. I mean, like, you've been taught this. All right, you're going to go to school. You're going to go to college. You're going to get a good job. We're going to have good insurance. We're going we're to have money so we can buy what you want and have a good life and you can retire. And it's like, those are the things that you're supposed to do. And you've been bred that this is what you're supposed to have. And like this is like, and if you don't accomplish this, then your life is a failure. And that's not true. Yes, some of those things may make life easier in some ways. But guys, think about this. You know this. You know this as adults. And you, you better amen this. And not, not just because I'm telling you to. But if you believe this and you have come to realize this in your life, you need to amen this. There are things in your life that other people look at and say, man, that's an amazing blessing. But it comes with a headache, doesn't it? Like marriage is a huge blessing. But it's hard, isn't it? It comes with a headache. It, it's like marriage, you got to work at it to make it work, Right? All right? And so there's some people out there who's like, man, I wish I was married. I, I wish I had kids. Like, kids are great. They're headaches. I take ibuprofen every day. They're great. I love them. Wouldn't trade them for nothing. I take a lot of ibuprofen. Everything that we have is blessings, and everything that we have has challenges too. You have to be willing to understand it. You have to realize that. And you have to understand that the different stages that you're in in life, God has ordained these things for you to accomplish a certain task and purpose for this moment in time. I have a friend. He's not married yet. And he, he constantly talks about he wants to be married. And I'm just like, dude, like, don't rush it. It's like, it's great. Like, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I wouldn't go back and be single for nothing. But there's a lot of stuff that you can do being a single person that you can't do as a married person. Enjoy the life that you have right now because when you get married, you can't go back. And you don't want to go back. But you have to take advantage of the moments that God has put you in now, the situation, the circumstances. And we have to be careful that we don't just want things because other people have them. You know, I remember the first time I fell prey to, or the first time I realized that I fell prey to coveting. I got saved when I was 16. I was a junior in high school. There were a lot of other sins in my life that God was working on, and so we were focusing on what we call big sins, you know, easily identifiable sins. And so God was working a lot in my life. And so early on in college, I had a friend over one day, and me and him, we like to shoot and collect guns and stuff. So we were over, we were shooting skeet and doing some target shooting one day. And he pulls out this new gun that he had just bought. And he is really talking this thing up. Like this is the, this, this gun's so nice. I mean, it's great. It shoots really good. And so I shot it. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. And he like talks this thing up. And I'm like, I got to get me one of them. I got I to get one of them. Right? Like how many college students, you know, needs another gun? I got to get one of them. That was a real good idea. So... I go out and I start looking and I find one. And I felt really good about it for about the first 12 hours. And then after the next day, I remember sitting there and I had it and I was looking at it and I held it. I was like, 
I don't even know why I bought this thing. I don't even like it. And then it was the first time I remember conviction in my life over just wanting something because somebody else had it. Because you guys know this. If you collect anything, if you have a hobby and you do anything, it's like the whole idea is like you're competing with other people. Like that's the whole idea of collecting kind of, like have a better collection with them. It was the first time in my life where I really remember feeling convicted over something that I got just because someone else had it. And that's the only reason I wanted it. And I remember saying, and, and guys, think about how much we do this in life. Think about how many times we buy something. Like, I don't know why I bought that. I don't even like it. And then you're stuck with it. Like you probably never get your money back out of it. And think about this. We go through life. And it's not just, now, and now it happens with little stuff. All, and it's easy to do it with little stuff because there's not that big a consequence. Okay, you lost $50, $100, something like that. Not that big of a deal. What happens when we, when we covet other people's homes and their cars and all this big stuff that you have? And then you go out and you take out loans to buy all this big stuff that we feel like we have to have. And then now it's not just a matter of, okay, you lost out on this or you got something you didn't need. Now you're enslaved because you have to go to work and you have to do all these things to make these payments and to justify what you've done for the long haul, and so for the next 30 years, your life is tied up in making sure you can make your payments. Any of you ever felt like stuck in that situation in life where it's just like, I got to go to work because I got to make these payments. If I don't pay my bills, they're going to take everything I have. Then I won't have nothing. And there's all this pressure in your life that, that you have to have all this stuff and do this. And so coveting and envy and jealousy can be subtle and it can be extreme on the other hand. We have to be very careful in that. And everything in our society pushes us to just consume, to buy, to gather, to, to collect, to hoard. Everything in our life pushes us to do that. You know, you look at, you look at our culture. You just look at America. One of the biggest social pushes that we have in our country today is the whole idea of redistributing the wealth in America. Now, now think about this. Now, I don't like to touch on a lot of like government stuff and like political issues, but we, we can talk about this because this is very much a spiritual issue. The whole idea of looking at someone and say, you have too much money. No one needs the amount of money that you have. You don't deserve that. Therefore, we're going to take it and we're going to give it to everybody else so that everybody has the same amount of money or a comparable amount of money to function with. Now, while that sounds good for people who don't have a whole lot of money, think about Scripture. Think about God and the whole idea that He blesses people with some things and He chooses not to bless people with some things. And, and the whole understanding of That people who have extreme amounts of wealth, I believe that God blesses those people. For whatever reason, he chooses to bless them that way. But I believe that God also expects him to be generous with that wealth and to be responsible with that wealth. And when they die, they will stand before God one day and give an account for how they were responsible with what God gave them. But they will not stand accountable to us. And there's nothing more sinful for us then to look at someone else and to say, you don't deserve what you have. You should give it to me. That is the very heart, the ugly, radical side 
of coveting and envy and jealousy to look at other people and say, you don't deserve what you have. That should be mine. That's wrong. That is absolutely, to the core, sinful. And so you have to be careful because there's the subtle version of it and there's the extreme version of it. And you have to understand, when you think about Jesus Christ, we are called to be like Christ. We're called to be like Christ. Christ doesn't want people to fail. Like, it's terrible. Like, you think about the attitudes of us. Like, how many times have we looked at somebody and you just said, I just wish they'd fall on their face. Or, you know, like you just, you just want them to fail at something because there's, it seems like there's people out there, they're just successful in everything they do, and it just makes you sick sometimes. It's like they got everything together, they got everything they want, they look good, they, they, they're healthy, they have plenty of money. Why can't they just fall down every once in a while? And like there's nothing more sinful than that. Christ does not want people to fail. And you with me this morning? This is so important. There should never be a person in the world that you look at outside of the body of Christ and say that I want to be anything like them. There shouldn't be. And you think about the love of Jesus Christ, there should never be a time where you look at anybody in this room or anybody in the universal body of Jesus Christ and wish that harm or misfortune would fall on them because you're jealous of what they have. Our calling as believers in Jesus Christ is to pray for and lift one another up in the name of Jesus. One of the most sickening things that I've experienced personally in ministry is listening to other pastors and stuff talk bad about other churches and other pastors. It's like It's not just a people thing like... Coveting and jealousy and envy goes all inside the church to all people. And I've seen it so many times where there's been churches that's had success and they've grown and pastors are doing really well and they're very successful in their ministry and other pastors who aren't experiencing that same thing get jealous and bitter and they say very negative things about them. And in reality, as a follower of Jesus, not even as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it should be our responsibility to pray for them to thank God that God is blessing them, to thank God that God is using them, and to pray that they don't fall into sin and temptation and pray that their ministry would be successful. Because we all know what happens when people fall into sin and temptation. It falls apart, right? A lot of damage is done. We should be praying that that doesn't happen. We should be praying for them. You should be looking at your brothers and sisters this morning and thank God that God is blessing them the way that he is. Pray that God would use them and use the gifts that he's given them and pray that God would use you and the gifts that he's given you and the capacity and the situation and circumstances that he's put us in personally. We should be praying for one another, loving one another. That is so important. And a lot of times as Christians, we don't do that. We want the, other, we want the position that that person's in. We want the leadership that person has. We want the ability to do this or, or the skills to do that. Or, or You see what I'm saying? It's present in all of us. It, it's there. And because envy and jealousy are present in us, you look at point number three, envy and jealousy are present in the church. We, we make up the church. I just talked about it. You know, it's like it, and it doesn't matter whether it's people or pastors Sunday school teachers, it's present within us all. This is why it's part of the Ten Commandments, because God wanted us to understand and know and focus on this 
because he realizes as people this is something that we're very prone to. And the problem with coveting, envy, and jealousy is, is that if you don't really ever say anything about it, like you may not ever make a negative comment about somebody, but if you don't ever say anything about it, most people doesn't even know that it's there. Like, it's just in here. It's just in your heart, and it's festering, and it's just eating at you, and it's rotting you away because every time you come to church, you see somebody else who they come in a nicer car, or they come with their family, and I don't have a family, or, or this, or that, or, you know, you just go to your job every day, you go out in the world, and it's just in here, and you don't say nothing about it, you'd never say anything about it, because you know that the feeling you have, it's dirty, and nobody wants to hear it, but you just don't say, but it's still here, and it's just festering and eating away at us. And in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, The author writes, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. And if you allow yourself to fall prey to coveting and envy and jealousy, you just got rot. In your heart, from within, you're going to be miserable. And it doesn't matter how God blesses you. God could be giving you everything else in the world that you want. But if you're so focused on just that one thing that you don't have, right? And guys, I'm telling you, you with me this morning? There's one thing that you don't have. There always is. I promise you, Satan isn't going to let you live your life without wanting something. There's probably something in your life that you really wish that you had that you could get, whether it's something physical or an emotional relationship, whatever it may be. And if you spend your entire life focusing on what you don't have, you're not going to enjoy all the other blessings that God's given you. You're not going to take advantage of the opportunities, situation, the circumstances he's put you in to serve him. You're just going to dwell on this one thing. And it's going to rot you from the inside out. And you'll never be the man or the woman of God that he's called you to be. You're never going to be able to witness to other people and tell them about the love of Jesus Christ because you're not focused on the love of Jesus Christ. You're focused on what you don't have. And that's not what God has called us to do. We have to be willing to accept the will of God in our life. Some things he blesses us with, others he doesn't. And like we said earlier, there's some things. You can get it. There's some things you want in your life. You can get it. But a lot of times it comes with a price you didn't realize it come with. It costs a lot more than money. It costs a lot more than time. It costs a lot more than emotions and struggles and and frustrations it always comes with a price tag. And Peter writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Because he knows. They're dealing with, with jealousy and envy and, and coveting in the early church. It, it's been around from the beginning. They've been dealing with this in the early church. You, you remember the stories? People like wanting to buy positions in the church. And, and Simon, the guy who wanted to pay for the ability to get the Holy Spirit, he was willing to buy the Holy Spirit because he wanted it. And, and like, so you can want good things, but the intentions of your heart be evil. Does that make sense? So, so like we have to be really, this is why it's really hard to navigate through all this stuff and to know if we're pursuing life and, and, and doing this stuff in the way that God would call us to. So Peter writes, he says, get rid of all evil behavior. And he doesn't 
like dumb this thing down like, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. No, he calls it evil. Evil. It says, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Man, we could do a whole other sermon on unkind speech. It says, be done with it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, this is something in your life that you should be done with. As a mature Christian, you should be done with this. Jealousy, that's what we're focusing on today. You should be done with it. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. And we'll stop right there because this is very important. You with me today? You ask Jesus Christ in your heart. You confess your sins to him. He saves you. The guilt is removed from your life. It is a wonderful experience. One of the greatest experiences I've ever experienced in my life. But it's not the full experience that God has for you. It's only a taste. There's so much more to your relationship with Christ than just confessing your sins and being saved initially. There's a much fuller experience available. And this is why Peter talks about it, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for his nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You with me? It's just a taste. The beginning is just a sample of what God has for you in your life. And I'm so thankful that as a Christian that like I stuck it out and I, I kept pursuing God to keep, continue experience the things that he has for me in my life. And the problem with a lot of people is, is they've gotten saved, they, they've prayed to the Lord, they've confessed their sins, but then they've never grown in their relationship with Christ at all. And you have to be really careful, guys. Because it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. It's really easy to get to a point in life where you say, okay, I've grown enough. I'm, I'm going to take a breath. Like, I, I'm not going to read as much. I'm not going to pray as much. You know, I, I'm old enough now. I, I'm, I'm mature. I've learned a lot in life. And I don't really have to do those things as much. as I, It's really easy to get comfortable in our relationship with Christ. And when we do, we're not getting the full experience of salvation. Because Christ has called us to have a continual growing relationship with him. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before. But everything else in your life will diminish. One day you're not going to be able to exercise and build muscle in your body like you were able to. And then you'll be exercising to maintain like flexibility, mobility, things like that. But eventually like your body becomes decrepit and you, you get to the point where your mind starts to go. It's like everything in your life diminishes. But there's one thing in your life that can continue to grow until your very last day. And that's your relationship with the Lord. And this is why you meet a lot of elderly people. And, you know, you think about this. You'll, you'll smile whenever I tell you this. There's a lot of, like, really good Christian people. And it seems like whenever they get, like, really elderly in the, in the latest years of their life, they don't act as Christian as what they used to. They kind of revert back a little bit. And they, they kind of, like, you know, they just ease off on their relationship with the Lord. And they get a lot more focus on other things, like they're not as healthy as they used to be. They're not as happy as they used to be. They can't do the things that they used to do. And so they stop focusing on their relationship with the Lord and they start focusing on physical life and they get really bitter about the things that they can't do. Instead of growing with their relationship with the Lord and continuing to grow in Him and making sure that they're constantly trying to be a blessing and a witness to other people, 
They're so focused on what they don't have anymore. Guys, everything that we have in this world is going to be taken away. You're not going to take it with you. It's going to be left to somebody else. Your health, your mind, your stuff, everything. But your relationship with God can grow forever up until the final days. And you've had a taste of it, but God wants you to grow into the full experience of salvation. That's so important to remember, to remind yourself that God has more for you in your life for your salvation. He has more for you to experience. Point number four. We've got to help our brothers and sisters not to fall into this trap. And I want to do a little disclaimer in this, okay? This is not some heavy sermon today that I'm trying to heap on this enormous amount of guilt in your life today. All right? As I said before, God blesses people in many different ways. It's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to have a nice house. It's not wrong to have a nice car. It's not wrong to have a good career. It's not wrong to be able to retire and enjoy that. It's not wrong to be married. It's not wrong to be single. It's not wrong to have kids. It's not wrong to not have kids. You with me today? There's a lot of things in this life that is okay for you to have. And this is why coveting and envy and jealousy is so hard to navigate through. Because for most Christians, it is subtle. Most of us are not sitting around looking at other people and say, I can't stand them because they have that. I wish I had what they had, and I wish God would just take away everything they have. We're not sitting around thinking like that, right? I hope you're not. If you are, you need a lot of prayer. Most of us are just sitting around, and we just like, we, we want stuff, right? You know, some people would really like to have a lot of money sitting in the bank account. Some people, they don't care about money. They would just rather buy stuff with their money. We have the ability to have access to all kinds of stuff. And so it's really hard to navigate through all this stuff and to know why you want what you want or why you need what you think you need and, and really the whole process and doing it. And then there's a whole other aspect of how am I responsible with this in a way that is honoring to God and it's not causing other people to stumble and fall trying to covet what I have. Disclaimer time again, when we stand before God one day, every single person is going to give an account for their sins. You with me? It's their choice, it's their decision, their responsibility. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to accept the calling on our life that we are somewhat responsible for our brothers and sisters. We have to be very careful that we don't live in a way that makes other people stumble and fall. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 13. They deal with this whole issue in the book of Romans. Paul's writing this. He says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Right? Now, So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Now that's important. That's very important. To to, to sit here today and like, oh man, like how do I navigate through life 
not only is it difficult to, to decipher whether or not I need something or want something or I just want it because someone else has it, it's really hard to figure out all that stuff on a personal level. And then how do I balance my life where I take the things that God has blessed me with, things that I've had the, the, the privilege of having access to, and then how do I manage that in a way that's pleasing to God and doesn't cause other people to stumble? That's really difficult. And we had a guy come speak to the youth several years ago. And uh, um, just one of those things where God's really blessed them financially. He, they've made as much money as you could probably ever want to make. And he, he just talked about a little bit with the youth about how for him, money didn't mean anything because it cost him a lot more in life than just having stuff. Like, for instance, he talked about how he really felt like his relationship with his dad was almost non-existing growing up because his dad was so focused on work and earning money and he had no relationship with his father. And if he could go back and change it, he'd, change, he'd give all the money to have a relationship with his dad and then like give all the money to have the relationship with the mom and to be able to like have those things. So, so, so you with me today? So, so you look at other people and you think, man, they got all this money, I would love to have that and they are wanting something themselves there's something in your life, they're willing to trade everything they have to get something that they don't want. You with me today? And so uh, part of the responsibility that we have as believers in Jesus Christ is being open and honest with one another. It's just being saying, hey, you know, like, yes, having money is extremely nice. I'm very thankful for it, but it also comes with a big headache because then you have all these other responsibilities that comes along with that much money that you have to deal with that people don't think about. It's like, you know, I talked to my friend, and, and, and Hannah and I do marriage counseling with people. And one of the things that we really try to do is we say, hey, marriage is great, but marriage is really hard. And so we talk about a lot of the, the arguments and stuff that Hannah and I have had and difficulties in our marriage. And we're just honest with them and say, hey, this is like, this is some of the stuff that we've struggled through and like we've done. And it's like, this is what marriage is. You got to work to make it work. It's like, it's great. It's a huge blessing, but it takes a lot of work to make it work. And so in our lives, it's very important to take the blessings that God's given us and really kind of be transparent with them, that we don't just like flash it up and take all these pictures and, and do all this stuff to make everybody feel like our life is perfect because our lives are not perfect, are they? How many of you can think of at least something in your life that you want right now that you just like, for whatever reason, I want this, I can't get it? We all got it. So it doesn't matter what situation, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter all the things, you can name anything and there's always going to be a hole, a void in someone's life. The biggest thing that we need to remember is, is that God has called us to let those voids be filled by him. If there's relationships lacking in your life, let God fill the void. If there's money or finances lacking in your life, let God fill that void. If you go seeking after it and you try to make it happen, sometimes we can make them happen. But a lot of times when we make it happen, it comes with a lot higher of a price than what we ever thought it came with. It's a lot more headache. It's a lot more frustration. Because when we go outside of God's plan and will for our life, it can be devastating to us. Not just in that moment, but for years to come. And so we have to be careful that we're not just sitting around wanting what everyone else has. You know, 
probably the most striking thing about this sermon today to me is just being able to look at everyone else in this room and to thank God that God has blessed them with that. To not want it, to not necessarily desire or wish that they didn't have it, but to look at all those people and say, God, thank you for blessing them with that. Thank you for giving them that ability. Thank you for letting them have that. And being honest, say, God, you know, there's, Lord, you know I want this. Lord, you know I feel like I need this. And I don't want to just go out and try to do it myself. God, you know, if this is your will for my life, let it be. But Lord, if you're not going to do this, then fill this void in my heart and help me to be happy and content with what you've given me and focus on those things and not so much for what I don't have. That's really hard. Like it's easy for us to say that this morning and say, okay, that's how we should be. But it's hard. And I know it's hard. But that's the, those are the paths that we should be taking in our life to really seek God's plan and his agenda for our lives and not really just seeking what we want. Because you know how it is. Our world is filled with so much stuff, so many things, so many abilities to have relationships. It's filled with so many things that you could just spend your whole life chasing after meaningless things. And getting all of them and realizing at the end of the day, I don't know why I wanted that. I don't even like it. That's what we do a lot of times. But we have a responsibility to, to seek Christ in our life and allow him to fill those voids. And be careful. Because coveting, it sneaks in. It really does sneak in. And even in the midst of just deciding things in your life that you're going to buy, things in your life that you want and you feel like you need, to just sitting down and say, God, taking the time to say, God, do you really, do I need this? Is this unnecessary? Do, do, do you want me to have this? Is this going to distract me from anything? Is this going to cost me more than what I think it is? To just sit down and seek God's guidance in our life. And you could do it with a relationship. You could really want a relationship, a friend, someone to love, and say, God, is this really what you have for me? Like, you know I want this. You, you know I desire this. But is this going to be worse for me than what I think it is? For us to be humble enough to seek God and ask him to guide us in these things. It's tough. It's not easy. Because it's subtle. It's one of those things that sneaks in on us. And it can be controlling our lives before we even know it. And so being humble enough to seek God in these things. Honoring him with our life. And letting him fill those voids is where we need to be. Let's pray and I'll let you go. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. For the opportunity to be together to sing your praises. And Lord, to worship you. Father, as we talk about this unspoken sin, Lord, just the desire to have what the world has and what others have. and God, I pray that you would help us to be so aware of the temptation that's constantly around us. Lord, help us to serve you and honor you in our lives. and Lord, just make our life, the, the purpose of our life, to glorify you. Lord, to seek your wisdom, seek your guidance. And Lord, if we do that, it's all we can do. The rest is in your hands. We love you today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.